poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host of Chasing Poker Greatness and Tactical Tuesday, Coach Brad Wilson, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Mr. Jonathan Chai. John, how you doing, sir? Doing pretty good. Although this episode is going to be on the more painful side than our normal episode, so might not be feeling as good in 30 minutes. As painful as the beans episode? Or? No, nothing. It's going to be hard to top that one. No, nothing compares to the beans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I guess then may as well not even talk about how many days without incident because apparently this is going to be a day full of incidents. So that'll be good. Maybe not. It's not necessarily painful because 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 of a punt. It's uh, the theme of the the theme of the episode, and I guess this will help put things into context. Is just. Betting or raising with the intention of folding to further action. Um, and just kind of like having that in, in my mind before taking an action on the river, saying like, I'm going to bet this size or I'm going to raise to this size. And if they jam, I'm just going to fold this value hand and like kind of pre-make that decision. Um, am I doing a good job of that? Should I, you know, should I have done it? Should I not have, you know, planned on bet folding? Um, one of the things that we talk about or that you've kind of coached me on is just like not not having a plan for your next action or the next street until you've given villain an opportunity to do what they're going to do. Right. So like don't fold the flop facing a C bet because you think that the turn C bet is going to come, right. Make them C bet the turn before you, before you fold the flop. It sort of feels like this concept and this situation goes a little bit counter to that where like you are, you have this plan already in mind saying like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And then when, if, and when villain raises or jams over my bet or race, I'm just, I'm going to fold. And you kind of sort yeah, of have that path laid out for you. It's interesting. I think there's a natural paradox here where, you know, it's like let let the action come to you, um, which means don't pre-make decisions. But then there is also, you know, you can have a plan, right, where you have some pre-made decisions that are in there. But I, I think the the key to that paradox is that no matter what your plan is, make sure that your plan is flexible or adjustable based on extra or unforeseen um, information or data points, things that happen that that you you just didn't really consider um, that can influence that plan. Right. I I think so. That's that to me is like the, the way that I I try to think about it, even though I know it is confusing where it's like, yeah, don't, don't have a plan, but do have a plan at the same time. It's like, have a plan, but be open to changing that plan if something unexpected happens. Because the reality is like, you know, no limit Texas Hold'em, there's a spectrum of things that can happen. There are turn cards that you didn't really think about um, that can pop off. There are different sizings villains can use. Uh, there, There's just meta considerations depending on the opponent that you're playing against that may influence your plan one way or the other. So anyway, lot lots of... Uh, things that can happen, but 
generally it's you do need to have some kind of plan and then you also need to let the information come to you because again you can't have a plan for every single possibility that that can come up in this game that there are just too many too many things that can happen um i hope that makes sense to to the listener we'll try to make sense of it through this episode maybe and looking okay. at these hands we'll see we'll see so you want to break down the action on hand yeah you know playing five-handed this is going to be a blind versus blind hand i'm in the small blind with queen of clubs ten of hearts i open to three big blinds the uh big blinds who appears to be maybe slightly more on the fishy side like given the given his hud stats i know we can't see them in youtube but, but he's 27 17 over a sample of almost 80 hands and that's that's generally good enough for me to start thinking he's more likely to be a fish than a than a reg all right um does have 3500 in front of them although he has you covered by miles and miles yeah uh which makes me feel like you you might have been victimized by this guy in the the distant past or the near past. Uh, I think this was actually one of the, actually, no, I guess I've been here for 80 hands. So yeah, given that I'm the, the hundred big blind stack at this table, very likely that 350. He likely could have victimized you. Um, let's see if we can win one back. Yeah, let's see. So flop is King 10, seven. You have queen 10 off flop is King 10, seven rainbow. There's 60 in the pot. So you flop middle pair. Um, yeah, I think you could bet a third. You could check either one are pretty reasonable. Yeah, I start out with check. Just in general, my out of position PFR strategy is just going to be to do a lot of checking. Uh, Mid pair, definitely just going to be one of my more marginal hands that I'm not excited about putting tons of money in the pot with. And yeah, I'm happy to just check call. Yeah, so check and face a $35 uh, flop float. The sizing also probably starts definitely swaying me towards uh, more likely to be a fish than a reg. Um, it's like, just like $35 on the nose. I'm guessing most regs would have just pressed a hotkey and ended up with some amount of change. Uh, so more likely to be a fish. Definitely not folding facing a little bit over half pot with second pair. Uh, so nothing to do but call. Nice. You turn two pair. Queen of spades, so king, mm. queen, ten, seven, two spades. Uh, queen completes jack nine and ace jack. So I'm pretty sure you only have one option to check. Um, I guess hypothetically you could donk, but uh, actually donking probably has some merit here with middle two um, when villain has a lot of pair plus draws and hands of that nature but against a fish i think checking is totally preferred uh they bet 80 into 130 um so i guess here's a pretty critical decision point of raise or call i think raise i think you just have to raise right um, really i was actually i wasn't loving this but with queen 10 i thought that uh a weaker player a fish might have up to 32 combinations of straights here if they don't do a good job of three betting preflop with a hand like ace jack suited or, or jack nine suited um at the least i would expect them to have 24 combos of straights with the um yeah. if they have jack nine they have king nine um 
and as well as like every suited king, I, I think Hansik can like bet the turn and check back river, um, yeah. or bet the turn and then like you call and there's like a four straight and you you no longer want to put any money in the pot, so it goes like check check and they have sure. like king deuce or whatever. Yeah. Um. Also, you know, two spades probably have like infinite number of like spade spade type hands that they can mm. they can bet the turn with. Mm. Um. They and can there's still tons of equity. Driven, like there's still like eight nine nine six eight six like it's not like there's some lack of you know gut shots or, or straight draws yeah. that haven't gotten there on the queen so yeah yeah I, you, you you prime me for putting money in the pot and then folding and i thought ah like check raising the turn and folding to a bet three bet that's 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 the spot to mm. go for oh, that wow. go for that approach this was not the street that i was going to ask about but that is actually that's actually a pretty cool point i didn't even consider it here just check raise here very very easy fold to bet three bet would be shocked to get bet three bet by a hand that isn't a straight. Maybe even Jack nine doesn't bet three bet, given that this is a spot where, you know, I could have 16 combos of ace jack. Um, yeah. Oh, let's move it on down to the river. <laughs> I do think that, like, yeah, uh, I'm actually a pretty fa- big fan of like check raising here and then folding to, to the bet three bet. Yeah. Try to play rivers accordingly. But yeah, now that yeah, I totally agree. That's 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 what I should have done. So River's a four of clubs. And so uh, flush draw bricks, you still have middle two, villain bets half pot. And now I presume is the time that you're going to raise. Now I'm actually like now I'm less I'm less inclined to raise the river um, than I would be to raise the turn, which is kind of funny because the hands that were equity driven are now air. Like the hands that could call your check raise on the turn have now essentially crumbled to ace high and like yeah. eight nine or six yeah. eight and spades. Yeah, and spades, which. Means that you know now you're trying to like target their val- the value portion of their range, which is like King Jack. I guess is like King Jack is probably like the best hand that they they have that you beat. And uh, what about like you know ten seven Queen seven like? Yeah, I I discount those because you have one of each of them. Like they do have ten seven and they they do have Queen seven, um, Queen, but. You know that they have more ace jack, they have more jack nine, they have more like uh king seven or even like king four. Um, mm. so like you can target a few hands for value, but I, I think the, the target is just not big enough to, to raise now with queen ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you'll probably hate the size that I raised too. So just um, just the in game thought process that I had here was like I was. Not super comfortable with my hand on the turn. I think now after the discussion, I kind of wish I just check raised the turn and folded to bet three bet. But um, just the first thing, like the thing that, that was at the forefront of my mind was like, wow, this guy just has like potentially has, you know, 30 plus combos of straights on the turn. Like I probably shouldn't mess around with that range. On the river, I was really happy to see the half pot size on the river. I thought that with straights, almost everybody, not even just the fish, would be likely to just go for a much bigger size. Um, so. I got really happy to see the half pot size now suddenly just felt way better about my hand. Um, it's funny. The, at the decision point that I feel way worse, you feel way yeah. better. It's, well, I guess 
I, I think I felt like too good about, I, I think you should feel pretty good about your hand here. Right. We're like, I, I would. Sure. I, I, I feel like good. Discount, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah, yeah. great. Not, about maybe calling. not good enough to raise, but yeah, like, yeah, I, just I, like call, calling is clearly a slam dunk. I expect to like have, you know, probably 60, 70, uh, maybe 75% equity versus their, their bet here. I just mm -hmm. don't think that when we raise and they call that when we place that bet, we have that much equity. I, I think we have much, much less. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, I mean, I got, I was just, just read way too into the half pot sizer. Thought that there were potentially just enough bluff catchers and, you know, maybe even like worse two pairs that just call it off like a hand like King Jack looking down at a Jack and just not believing that I would check call enough value, check call, check call, check enough value um, and maybe find a hero with a hand like King Jack or something like that. I think that was just way too optimistic in in hindsight on the river. I mean, this raise is going to be really, really big. He bet 143.50 on the river. I am going to raise to like $800, which is, you know, <laughs> wow, like 5x almost, 850. Yeah. I, again, I thought, oh, maybe he'll just like raise small to like. So this is, a, this is actually the street that I wanted to talk about with like the raise fold, fold idea jam, instead of yeah. like jamming. Like, yeah, I think that's like. I, I think just whatever turn we talked about the turn, I should have probably, I should have had the thought there, but that's, I think this is the street where I, I, before we talked about this hand was where I was like, oh man, I should have had the thought here that like, I can just raise fold here and, you know, not, not get stacked by the straights or the sets. I don't even know if the sets would bet, bet three bet. So like not get stacked by like the, um, not get stacked by like the better value that they have that's yeah. you know stronger than queen 10 and like potentially eke out a little bit versus their you know 10 sevens and queen sevens and you know maybe a hand like king jack or something like that just calls off you know facing like a 450 dollar or 500 dollar raise on the on the river um and then yeah just the plan to to fold if they do jam um nice it's funny that that's the that's that's what i wanted to talk about but i guess we, i should have thought about doing that one street prior. Well, you put all the money in, so let's see. Let's see if John's. Oh, I, I, I got snapped. <laughs> <laughs> there, so was John... no, there was no. There was no sweat. There was no. There was no like. Oh man, like you know, maybe I have the best hand. As soon as I put the money in, it just it was very apparent that I did not have the best hand. Wow, they snapped with King Ten. Yeah, I didn't even think about it with King Ten. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, I guess you probably could have gotten value from Queen Seven uh, in Ten Seven if if that was if they uh, had it. Yeah, if yeah. they had that. But uh, yeah, I think that you know clearly I, we we don't want to beat a dead horse. But yeah, raise turn, raise small river. Not great for red line raise folding, but quite good for blue line. Um, way better. For blue line than this this madness that happened here on the river um so you're zero for one today and minus a thousand dollars in hand number one so congratulations let's see how big of a tab john can run up in <laughs> it's pretty hard to half. chunk into minus a thousand dollars when the fit then the theme is bet folding or race folding the river yeah Let's let's see how you manage these next couple of hands. There's there's there is no fold here. There's not not even an option to fold on any street. Oh well, I just wanted to set up the episode with the hey, I should have been thinking about this. Ah, uh, I see, I see. Yeah. All right. You survived pre-flop boot camp. You've shown
shot the fish in a barrel. Now, prepare yourself for the feeding frenzy. A comprehensive strategy for gutting every fish in your player pool. Data-driven hero bluffs, light call-downs, and perfect value bets that are maximally designed to hurt some feelings. Feeding Frenzy. Available now at ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Feeding Frenzy. Alrighty, welcome back from the break. Now in the back half here, some more raise fold considerations, maybe, or considerations of considerations of raise folding as was the first hand. Um, John, you want to dive into second hand yeah. after the break? We got, we got two coming at you, so a little bonus. These are actually going to be um, two. They ended up being two bet folds instead of raise folds, but similar concept, I think, of just kind of having a plan for plan for the river. Um, this is a uh, two five fast fold or zoom zone zoom table um, mm -hmm. under the gun. Min opens to ten. We get a cutoff flat. The small blind folds, and I have eight deuce suited in the big blind. Uh, very very wide, but. It's only a min open, and we have a flat in the cutoff, which hopefully means he's a weaker player of fish. So we're just going to take our really good price with our suited hand and try to make some money. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, five and a half to one. Tough. Tough to fold a hand that is suited in that scenario. Um, so eight deuce of clubs. You get a pretty good flop. Ace, Jack, like four. Making some money. Club, club, club. Uh, so sort of first decision here to donk or to check. Uh, that's actually a good, uh, interesting consideration. I mean, I think you're, so I think one of the thing the, the arguments we're docking here is that this is a monotone board multi-way, um, it's very, very likely that the preflop razor does a lot of checking on this board. Um, so there's a higher than average likelihood that this flop gets checked through, which sort of incentivizes some, some donking. On the flip side, this is like a still a double Broadway um, monotone board, which I think, you know, definitely does sort of make a difference in at least like the under the gun raisers range. Um, and, you know, maybe does make it slightly more likely that they that they do see the swap. So I think there's like a little bit of like push and pull on this double Broadway ASI monotone board. I wouldn't. Um, I mean, while, you know, low jack is a consideration, I, I wouldn't really be targeting them i don't think yeah. it would be more of like the offsuit asex that the hijack could flat with sure. um, hands that like the hijack has that, like they're they're not going to bet with but they'll certainly start calling yeah. bets or the cutoff yeah yeah the cutoff the cutoff right? yeah so like it, it, it you know i expect the low jack to check very very often um and i mean what are you going to do like when they bet and cut off folds like and then you like check raise right like you're not you're not even going to be able to check raise a flop like you're probably just going to have to have a check call range and then kind of play turns accordingly and then like yeah it at, at some point it just becomes like pretty clear that oh i when i when i take an aggressive bet after this action like do i actually get called by worse um downstream and, and i think yeah. that that's really one of the primary reasons why I, I think i preferred leading here is that yeah I'm just go donk 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 or something on on good runouts yeah i mean if you don't lead you're and the low jack bets 
that that's actually like I I think you're seeing it as like a positive development. I don't know how positive it is though because it really creates a very weird multi-way scenario. Yeah, you're sort of handcuffed into like check call in three streets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Lojack checks though, so for all of that, Lojack goes ahead and checks and cutoff checks. So flop checks through. Turn is the jack of spades. Ace jack, jack four. Uh, club, club, club. Now John goes ahead and bets pot on the turn once the jack pairs. Um, sort of another interesting thing here. Like, like I wonder. <laughs> like I, I would be so much more inclined to check raise the turn, I, I think, than the flop because like. I guess the reg doesn't bet ASEX on the turn, and you can get called by ASEX um, from the low jack. If either one of them has a jack, they're most likely going to bet it, and then I think check raising is like totally in play. So they just can't um, fold the jack once. once right when you bet pot, a jack probably just calls instead of raising. Yeah. Um, and so like here, I'd probably be more likely to check once a jack pairs, trying to target. Jack X for a check raise and then river bet, um, and not really trying to target Ace X for just two bets, basically. Gotcha. I thought, mm, yeah, so you can target Jack X for three bets by going for the check raise on the turn and betting the river. Um, and this line is really just targeting, well, it is kind of targeting Jack X, but it's only targeting it for two bets and like the potential benefit of this bet. Versus check raising is that maybe this captures a little bit of value from the ASX that checks back the flop. Sure. I, I would say that like the future data point of like, say you check the reg checks and then, you know, the fish bets big. Yeah. Then you're in the promised land, right? Mm -hmm. Then we're like, oh shit, they most likely have a jack. Now, instead of like my normal check raise size, uh, I'm going to go bigger exploitatively. And then mm. probably get to play for stacks um, if they were to choose, you know, the big size. And I think that's that's really the situation that like you'd be aiming for with a check is like, okay, so if it goes check check and then big bet from the cutoff, oh boy, now I'm just gonna like check raise five x and jam rivers and feel like really really good about mm. it. Um, so anyway, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, you go ahead and bet pot, and the under the gun player calls. Um, the river double pairs the board. And. Oh, I can't. I'm actually kind of surprised that you bet the river. Uh, I was I a little worried about how this spot works when I check the river. So if you check the river, right? Mm -hmm. I think you just have to check full. Like I don't think villain has enough. I I I I would be willing to bet a lot of money. They don't have enough um, bluffs or low equity bets when you check for you to call with eight deuce of clubs. Now, with that said, you know you did polarize the turn, so I guess you could bet the river, um, trying to get called by like ace king, ace queen, ace ten, some of those hands. I do think you you have to choose the big size though. Um, and you have to be like at peace with choosing the big size. I, I don't think you get to choose the small size um, just because like you, you polarize a turn. 
So now you basically just need to go big. And why would you go big targeting like the ace kings and ace queens versus a versus a different size? Like, what does polarizing the turn have to do with that? Like, what's the the downside of going smaller? Because like on the on the turn, you know, say you're saying essentially you have like king queen king ten um, with a club, like queen ten with a club, and then you also have like flushes and like occasionally boats. So like on the river, king queen with a club is still king high. Queen ten with a club is still queen high. Um, and so like when you have those in your range and then you also have, you know, maybe some ace jack, some boats, uh, I think that going big just makes it very, it's just like the size that is expected from your bluffs. Like I think like King queen going small doesn't really make sense. Queen 10 going small doesn't really make sense. Um, King Jack or yeah. King queen, King 10, Queen 10. So, um, do you think that you'd get punished for like splitting your strategy on the river and value betting a smaller size, let's say like with the flush going big with your bluffs and your boats, just saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm just going to carve out this smaller size with, you know, flushes maybe exactly. And, and I don't know if I'm going to get punished, but I don't want to like just leave the door open for punishment yeah. when it's like, it, you know, if somebody's like thinking at all, they can, yeah. they can, reason their way through like what's happening here sure um, what um, be like just, oh like jack x does jack x really want to bet small like uh, that you know it, typically jack x is just going to size size up here you know yeah i guess okay so before we move on like what 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 does like getting punished mean for i guess like mostly for the listeners i i think i have a, an idea of what you're imagining but like when you say like you're worried about getting punished by because you go for a small size here with your a smaller than like, not a big size with your with your flushes like what are you uh kind of imagining happening that would be bad uh villains fold out ace x and brace with their jack x <laughs> like that's that's oh you weren't worried about getting punished by like some like bluff catchers looking down at their hand and like deciding like hey jack x never bets this size on the river let me just start hard to find a bluff catcher that's not ace x like yeah you know, kings or queens with a club, I guess, would be like the the two bluff catchers. But I mean, the the problem with like kings and queens with the club is like they actually block the bluffs in your range pretty hard. Like you you actually have like way way less bluffs when when they have like king kings with the king of clubs because then you can't have king queen or king ten uh, with the king of clubs. You can have it with the ten of clubs. But yeah, like I I think that like villains can just fold an ace. Um, and then just raise with their jack x and it's pretty straightforward i, yeah. I think. so you think that versus the small size villain will fold an ace and raise with their jack x and then versus the big size they'll be more likely to bluff catch with their ace x and still raise their jack probably still raise their jack x um but sure. the reason they'd be more likely to call with their ace x given the even i, I also don't your river size is because i my bluffs want to go that size and i also don't know like it, it creates this like situation where it's like you you give villain the path to raise if they so chose with like an ace like mm -hmm. if they're like oh like i can target flushes with the raise because like maybe flushes are, are like the one hand that like plays this way so yeah, like yeah. you open yourself what up, I was up for attack in a situation where like villain has a shitload of natural full houses mm -hmm. because of the jack pairing and, and i think that like the i think that the river double pair um just shifts 
the advantage to the villain. Like I, I just think that the river double pair gives them more equity than you. And which means that like, you, you should probably just be checking and probably just check fold the eight deuce. Um, and also check like a hand, like ace Jack, if you have a hand like ace Jack in your range. Roger. Roger. Okay. So, uh, I know that we, you wouldn't have played the rest of this hand this way. You would have started out with like a flop donk and, and all the stuff that we talked about earlier, but kind of, your recommendation here on the river was just, hey, this is a runout that decreases the equity of our range significantly and, and conversely, like increases the equity of the under the gun uh, player's range to the point where we should just be checking here. The kind of sad thing about checking is that we don't really expect ASEX to bet. Um, we probably don't expect any worse flushes to bet the river either. So when they do bet, we're sort of handcuffed into check folding because we've you know determined that their range is it's hard to, for them to have bluffs when I pot the turn and they call, um, you know, their bluffs would essentially just be like the bluff catchers that we would hope check back. And so when we do face a bet after checking the river, we're, we're handcuffed into folding, which is a little bit sad, but you know, if that's the highest DB option, um, of all of our, you know, sad uh, options on the river, then that's what we should take. I mean, here's like a, the way that I would think about it is like on the turn, it's like, Oh, sweet. I have flushes and they have trips. Great. Like now, I can bet and clearly get called by worse, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what happens to trips when the river double pairs the board? They become boats. So now you have flushes. They don't have flushes. And their trips are now boats. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you should check everything. Yeah, but I was also, like, I was hoping that there's, like, an ASEX range in there that, like, can find a, a bluff catch on the river facing a... I don't know. I don't know what size they're more, more likely to bluff catch on the river. It sounds like you think that they'd be more likely to call facing a bigger size because our, you know, our king queens and queen tens and stuff just want to go big on the river. I, so. I just think like don't overcomplicate it. And like you lost the nut advantage. You're trying desperately to be able to place a bet here in a scenario where I don't think you're allowed to place a bet or I don't think you should place yeah. a bet. I I think the reason that I'm trying to place a bet here is because I really want to avoid the scenario of just like check folding, like having to check fold the river. And that's, I think that's just poor strategy. It's just like, I was just like, I, don't, I didn't want to check fold. I think I had the same realization that you did where I was just like, man, if I check here and he bets, I just have to fold. And so I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I just want to, then I'm going to try to bet the river and like at least hope to get called by some of their ASEX. And if they do raise, they, you know, I'm just going to give them credit for having a yeah. boat and, and so... Fold. This is, um, you know, we talked about this the other day in a Wolves group coaching, right? Where, um, you know, I've been training jujitsu and got a, got a purple belt in a, a good position, actually, who generally just beats the living bejesus out of me, like every time we roll and um, got him in a good position and he got out of it, but I held on. Like, I didn't want to let go because it was like this rare occurrence of like, Oh shit. Like I, I got you. I have you like in a compromised situation and like, I didn't let go. So what happens when I, I wasn't willing to accept the new reality that the situation had changed? Villain had escaped. Well, I hung on too long. He reversed it and put me in a terrible, terrible position and eventually submitted me. Right. Um, and then even afterwards he was like, wow, you, you had me there. Um, you had me there, just hung on, hung on a little bit too long. And I think here, this is just you hanging on too long. Like there are a spectrum of river cards that can come where you get to bet, right? There are some where the situation changes and you can either accept reality or not accept reality, right? And to me, it's like, 
You're just not accepting this reality that this river card is one of them that you don't get to bet. Therefore, yeah. you don't get to bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I, I, I was talking to someone about observing something really similar, especially in like live poker. One of the things that I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast has seen is like someone three bets kings preflop or four bets kings preflop. The flop comes ace high, and for some reason they just like jam the flop, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's you know really related to what you just said about like not being able to accept kind of like your new reality. It's like hey, before the flop you were planning on winning this huge pot with kings and just you know stacking someone and something like that, and then flop changed your reality to the point where your your hand has now been demoted to a bluff catcher um and that can be like kind of frustrating which you know results in some people just ripping the flop and i basically did a, a smaller river version of that here with it's just with a more AKs. intricate more intricate version uh, of yeah, that yeah. you know but it's the same concept in play of like right, 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 right. bro you, you just didn't wreck you, you just did not accept your new situation because like you wanted to check, but then you realize like if I check, I have to fold and you just didn't want to accept it. So yeah. you decided to place a bet and then like, let's see what happens when you place this bet. Um, yeah, so I was like, I want to bet small enough to get called by ASEX. Yeah. So you, you bet half and then you get like clicked. Um, essentially, you bet 45 and they raise to like 110. Um, how does this reality feel? I felt, ugh, I don't know. It's It's like, I didn't know how to feel because I was like, well, I don't know if ASEX calls or not. So if I can just like comfortably bet fold facing raise and they call enough enough of their ASEX, like this could be fine. Mm -hmm. I If I like, what would be like terrible is like I bet the size, they click, I fold, and then I look at the hand later and it ends up being, you know, a, some sort of bluff or a bluff catcher turned into a bluff. That would for sure make me feel terrible. But to be honest, I didn't like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know enough to like feel bad when this, when this happened, I guess. I, I thought that this was, a, a reasonable river plan. Yeah. Okay. I hate it, but that's okay. <laughs> I folded. Thank God we did not get bluffed. Yeah. You folded. They have a jack. Shocker. They called pot three ways when the jack paired. They have a boat. Um, they Why didn't you call ace king too? <laughs> All right. Um, that's not the point. The point is you, 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 you lost eight big blinds more than you should have lost by just betting the river. If you just check, you just nine. check fold. Huh? Nine. Oh, nine. Yeah, see? Nine. Um, wow, we, we've gone pretty long here. So we got one more hand. We'll try to get through it faster than that last one, but yeah, no promises. Um, so you have queens in the small blind. You're playing five-handed. Again, the fast, fast fold version of poker. Um, you open to three big blinds from small blind versus big blind. Big blind calls, flops 10, 10, 6. Uh, 30 in the pot. Um, again, like I think you can bet a third. I think you probably should just bet a third uh, starting out here. Um, and you check. Checking is the other option, of course, rather than betting third. And villain checks behind. So 10 10 6, flop goes check, check. Turn is a four of spades. You decide to go over bet. I really like the over bet here. Um, after villain you checks. You don't like back. it? I really like it. I think oh, you like it? Okay, right. I like it a lot. It's good. Um, you know, once villain checks back, they don't do a lot of checking back with like 10x. Their range uh, generally gets comprised of a lot of different bluff catchers, and this just puts a lot of pressure on their bluff catchers with queens. Um, so, once again, for the podcast listener, the flop was 10 10 6. The turn is a 4. There are two spades on the board. John bet 42 into 30, and villain calls. Now there's one fifteen in the pot. 
Um, we get <laughs> you get another fortuitous double pair four four run out river yeah. uh, four four run out. Um, I think this spot is different. Uh, I would just bet the river here. I, I think you mm-hmm. could get called by a lot of different six x ace highs um, pocket sevens that don't three bet pre flop. Yeah, sevens, fives, um, just whatever. Fives? That. Yeah, fives. Yeah, I guess fives. Yeah, I guess it's like this, they're all the same. What's yeah. the difference between fives? Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I think you can target like a wide variety of bluff catchers. And I don't think you get raised here. Like it would be shocking to me if you got raised um, after Villain check behind on the flop. So yeah, I, and, and like you could check some like 10x on the flop. So I think you maintain some 10x. I think they shed most of it. So you get yeah, that's definitely one of the that- get to place a bet here. Yeah, it's one of the things that helps me feel really just good about like range management when I do check range out of position. It's just like I know that I have ten x in the spot. And, right. Yeah. Um. So you you overbet. I think it's good. You polarize turn, polarize river, um, and villain raises. Wow. Wow! 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 Well, you do have ten x in your range, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> What Which honor? probably should be the only type of hand that I call pure. They're saying they have quads. Like, could they only like? I guess maybe they can check back. A... Yeah, I mean, I just I, I just fold, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what they have. That that's like the like. How do you jam the river here? I so your pocket fours or a ten that check back the flop, mm. or a crazy bluff. Yeah, the problem with the crazy bluff is like a, it's just, I mean, one, it's kind of ticky tacky. But I, I think like one, ah, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I would just fold the river, but I'm so, I I'm so suspect and so annoyed that like they're basically saying they have quads, um, or check back a ten, and both of those are like so they they just feel so unlikely, you know. Yeah, yeah, but just to okay. So if we just go back to this to the decision where like I, before I bet the river, um, you know, we we did talk about you did mention like hey, you don't expect to get raised very very often on the river. Um, is that sort of reason to more reason to fold when you do get raised? Is like hey, I think this happens so infrequently that it is more likely to be nutted than it is to you know have air because it's just easier to have air and. Than, well, than the nuts in a certain I, spot. And... I think there's like technical reasons why I expect to get raised here. Like you have 10 X in your range and villain has much less 10 X in their range. So like when you overbet turn and polarize and then overbet river, like essentially, essentially they, it, it almost certainly has to be under bluffed. And I think B like, <laughs> you have 10x in your range, right? And that that's kind of like what drives your ability to place a bet in the first place. And like when you have nut advantage, you definitely don't expect villain to ra- take a raising action on the river. Like when when you have so many more combos of the nuts and villain, like you just don't expect them to raise the river because like they typically don't. Like because they shouldn't because you have all the best hands, you know? Yep. Um so that that's sort of like the technical reason behind why I don't expect a raise. Um and when I face a raise, I tend to think that it's under bluffed for all of those same reasons of like, you know, villain knows that I have like 10 X in my range. They know Mm -hmm. that I'm polarizing. So like the type of hand that 
goes ahead and like raises the river has to be something like clearly that can't beat the bottom end of polarization. So like a seven, five would be like maybe their worst hand here, seven, five, maybe seven, eight that turns like a, you know, a, a double gut shot. Mm-hmm. Um, spade spade is less likely because I mean, I guess maybe like a nine high spade draw that jams or something like that. But, you know, basically they, they need to be turning those hands into, they, or, well, they are bluffs. They, they need to be bluffing with those hands in a situation where, like, you do have a lot of votes. And that's, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that if you were to bet on villain, like, um, over bluffing or under bluffing here, that my bet would be on under bluffing, like, pretty much all day long in spots of this nature yeah maybe we can that's like a good place to end this episode and just wrap it up with like that that one heuristic is just that if you do if you are betting a street or you know if you are on the river and you're in a spot where you have a massive nut advantage or a nut advantage and you do get raised it's very likely that that raise is under bluffed um given it's the situation where you have more strong hands than and your opponent and that, that that they recognize that i think it's it's pretty easy to see here once i check the flop and they check back that i likely have more 10x in my checking range than they do in their check back range um and those are situations that you know if you if you observe those things to be true uh if you observe those data points on the on the river um then that's like a good uh situation where you should start thinking about bet folding or you know just folding to aggressive actions as long as you don't have the nuts yeah i think a lot of times like you know you asked a good question about like, should the heuristic just be like, you, you don't expect to get raised, but like, there's, there's like actually like a lot of information behind that expectation that I have. Like there, there's a lot of reasons why I don't expect to get raised that I just didn't verbalize, um, and kind of unpack, but yeah, like the, the person with the nut advantage gets to bet. Um, and when the person that doesn't have the nut advantage raises a polarized bet on the river, um, that is yeah, it's either somebody with uh, who's really getting after it, um, or they just happen to have, you know, that's- flop flop the check flop uh, check back the flop with a ten, or probably more likely is quads, which is kind of crazy to say. Uh, but I guess they have like one combo of quads. Eh, it's probably probably easy enough to find. I guess one combo of like checking back ten x too, if you kind of slice all their the 10x that they have in range um so yeah and they have 9 10 off so they did check back a 10 um makes total sense so kind of like you know it's kind of funny that like i guess they just have to jam but it's also like yeah you know if you're going to fold queens, you're probably going to fold aces, and you're probably going to fold kings, you're probably going to fold jacks. So, like, the hand that you call with is a 10. Um, or quads. Or quads, right? Or, like, 10-6. Um, mm. I guess yeah. the one combo of, like, 10-6 yeah, yeah, yeah. suited that they have. So, anyway, just uh interesting hand. Um, yeah, I guess checking back trips in this situation. No, nah, I'd probably still cost some money. <laughs> they still win more if they just bet the flop and you have queens, I think, than if they uh, would have would have just played the hand very straightforward, bet the flop, big bet turn, big bet river, they just win a bigger pot than the way that this played out. So even their sneakiness here where they got like really great outcome, probably still won less than just betting the flop. Yeah, so. likely would have gotten stacked if they started out with the flop. But 
All right. Long episode of Tactical Tuesday today. Good one. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I got nothing. See you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.